Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hey, Garrett, why do you hate the Nintendo 64 controller? Because uh, it was designed by monkeys with blindfolds. What? You're insane. Why? It's, it was a, an excellent uh, advance in the world of uh, video game input devices. No, no, no. no. First, okay. All right. You know what was, what was actually the wonderful advance that was on the Nintendo 64 controller? Yes, the analog stick. Yes, the analog stick. That's, that's great. The analog stick by itself was fantastic. The layout of that controller, however, was awful. <laughs> no, it's not. You just, it's, if you. It was three bananas, sir. It was three bananas held together by, uh, you know, some, some cheap plastic. Uh, now, well, now, get me wrong. I'm, I've realized um, I'm walking on a lot of people's really strong nostalgia. But you know what I said to those people? I'm walking on my own extremely strong nostalgia. The Nintendo 64, for me personally, was, was where this all started, man. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be the giant nerd uh, in the realm of video games that I am. That was, without a doubt, uh, the, 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 the video game event that had the single largest impact on uh, my developing nerd brain. I love the N64. I still have mine. It still works. Every now and then, we bust it out. We have an old-school golden eye party. Um, Still, you dislike the three bananas. I'm, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I, I could argue that those, those three bananas were actually kind of clever at the time when they were trying to get the, uh, I think it was a necessary step. And that maybe the brilliance of that incredible tech advancement was lost on a simple 10-year-old's mind, which I can kind of understand. But now you should see the brilliance of it. You have two controllers in one. If you want to control it as the traditional N64, you know, thing with the uh, cross pad and the buttons, then you, you grab two bananas. <laughs> <laughs> like well, the two like, left and right bananas and if you want to if you want to do a 3D game you grab the middle and the left banana no the right banana uh yes middle and right um yes. first of all i love that you're getting confused about how to hold the controller even now um, <laughs> as you're trying to defend it but but secondly uh first i i have um I have what I would consider normal size hands. I don't know. You might have really tiny hands because my bigger issue with it was if I did hold the middle banana, uh, the joystick was way too close to my that's, left hand. That's true. I think that might have been a Japanese issue where they might have smaller hands and that's who they designed the bananas for. But uh, all right. You know what? Enough about bananas. Enough with the bananas already. But you didn't get me to throw the racist card at you now for that Japanese comment. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's why I'm interrupting you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Throw the racist card. <laughs> That's all I got. Uh, well, I am Patrick Beja, and this is Pixels, a video game show where we talk about the news that's been that have been happening for the past couple of weeks. And uh, we try to dive behind the news as we do behind the bananas. And uh, to help me peel the banana layers is uh, Garrett Wandrell, uh with me as he is uh, now every couple of episodes. Um, we're going to be talking about Bungie in trouble. We're going to be talking about Nintendo's results, a bunch of news about Blizzard that are going to let us uh, geek out on that topic. And uh, yeah, are you ready to talk video games? I'm, I'm good to go, man. Also, I think that might have been the most damn entertaining opening uh, of Pixels to date. Uh, not, to, not to toot my own horn but well you know you talk about uh controller bananas and i think then you've got a winner uh opening that's that's ob- i i was clever a podcaster enough to catch the banana as you were throwing it i think that's the takeaway from this intro nice nice <laughs> a few more banana puns and we're good to go yeah i think this is going to be an episode where we're going to come back to this every occasion we get mm. um <laughs> So how can you, <laughs> no, I was going to go somewhere that I really don't want to know, go. Um, how can you talk about bananas when you're talking about Bungie and what's happening there with the president, Harold Ryan, basically stepping down? Uh, he had been leading Bungie for, what, 10 years, uh, m- maybe more. He was uh, overseeing a bunch of Halo and he was uh, historic. It's not like, like a guy they brought in two years ago and he had to to leave just because something didn't work out it's a at my interpretation is that the destiny f up is so big that and, and granted i come at this from a place of in, in, immense love for destiny and i think garrett you've joined me in that uh cozy immense love for destiny place I have. But, yeah, it took uh, it, it took the Taken King to really turn me around, though. I thought it was off to an exceptionally rocky start. Yeah, I think everyone would agree about that. But so anyway, uh, Harold Ryan is is now has left Bungie to quote unquote spend time with his family, which we all know what that means. It's probably that he was asked to uh, to step down, but. Um, yeah, basically, Destiny the launch was super rocky. Uh, they have managed to bring it back from the depths uh not the depths because i liked it from the beginning i thought they had there were lots of uh, uh great elements to the game but since the taken king um they've it seems like they've they're, they're focusing their entire team to what will end up being destiny 2 which has slipped from its unofficial date of september 2016 into sometime in the future so that means they're not going to be able to hold that one game every year no matter what happens uh, plan they had and uh, the the state of destiny currently is pretty terrible everyone's complaining that after the initial content drop of the Taken King, which was fantastic. You've heard me talk about it many times on the show. Um, there hasn't been anything. And that live team that was supposed to inject content regularly into the game um, has not produced anything of substance. So I think that's why now, I mean, it's considered a, a mismanagement of the new franchise. And in my opinion, he doesn't want to spend time with his family. He's just been asked to uh, step away. That's certainly what it looks like, right? We, we've seen this happen enough times with publicly traded companies that uh, that that we we kind of we kind of can sniff it out, right? 
So do you think it's justified or it's hard to say from, you know, standing from here without actual knowledge of what's happening inside the company, but you've been around a few companies and you know a little bit about the industry. Uh, what, what do you think? Is that, did he actually mess up? I mean, if it's if it's going down the way that the, the picture that we're kind of painting that they're they're pinning uh, a lot of the failures on the on the leadership and he's and, and kind of forcing him out. Um, me in my pretty rosy view of Bungie still, even even despite how how much uh, Destiny's kind of let me down, um, I feel bad for the guy. <laughs> like I I love Bungie and uh, uh, I mean he's been there for a long time now, overseeing many of the Halo titles that I play the living hell out of. Um, so I hate to see the guy go, but at the same time, um, not really surprised by this. Yeah, it's, uh, for me, it seems like he messed and we have to say he, but obviously it's the entire team. It's not like, but you have to have someone responsible for this at some point. And, um, so they kind of messed up the, the release. I think there were lots of reports that the game was not what it was supposed to be initially, which happens in every game. But here, uh, the, the critical acclaim for the game, what was dampened by, um, the, the features, the many features and, and, uh, uh, elements of the game that we thought there should have been in the game. And um, but they said, you know what, just stay on, fix it. We believe in you. This Destiny Two will work. And we've heard about um, tools for the game. Basically, very bad strategic decisions for the way they built all of the tools that that they built from the ground up to uh, put Destiny together and keep uh, and keep it alive. We've heard about horror stories of if you want to change a tiny element of the of one of the maps of of the game, you have basically a process that's going to take 24 hours between loading the world, changing the thing, compiling the world, rendering it, all of that um, is is badly planned. Uh, I'm not sure that Harold Ryan specifically is responsible for this, but I'm guessing at some point they had to say, well, you know, we need something to change. And the easiest, the easiest thing to, to change is the le leadership, I suppose. Um, does that bode well for Destiny 2 whenever it ends up coming out? It, it's hard to tell, right? Because it, all we have really to go on, um, like that's 100% official, is, is just our experience with the game. There, there is a, a, a huge lack of communication, I think, from the Destiny team to the player base. We're all kind of sitting here wondering exactly what's going on. Um, so in, with that in mind, the only thing we have to judge it on is... is our experience and, and what they've delivered on. And, and yeah, I think, I think they've, I think they have failed and I don't have a, a, a ton of faith. So with, uh, first of all, I mean, destiny two, we don't know if it's going to be called that. We don't know if it's actually going to be a sequel. We, we know nothing. We know absolutely nothing about it. So it's hard for me to know how to feel about it being bumped because there has been zero official word on it. Um, like I said, all I really know is that I enjoy the game, but, there's no new content. There's no reason for me to revisit the game. Yeah, and that's what the community has been uh, crying about with reason for, for a few months now. Um, they, they're talking about the drop of content that is more substantial in the coming months, which I'm sure will happen. I'm not sure it's how substantial it's going to be, but certainly it's not going to be just a silly seasonal event or a um, uh, speeder race thing that I played once and that was it. Um 
I it feels to me like they have an incredibly solid gameplay base with Destiny the the vanilla version. They have shown that they can um craft an, a, a compelling story and compelling single player player experience with the Taken King. And uh it's bad news, but I think in a sense it's good news. They've shown that they're not that they're capable of delaying a release if they think they need more time to polish it. Um, so they have gameplay, they have storytelling, or at least single-player experience now, and they're willing to take the time and the effort because I'm, I'm, you know, 82.5% sure that the live team has been stripped or peeled away like a layer of the banana... No, that doesn't work. Um, to garnish the core team that is developing uh, Destiny 2, or however it ends up being called. Um, I have to say, banana layers are pretty binary. They're either there or they aren't. Well, so they... so Okay, so let's go take this to its logical conclusion you had uh three bana- two bananas you had one banana which was the core team working on the game and the um uh, live team that was working on the current game so one banana destiny to one banana uh t- the taken king and they peeled away the taken king live team banana to put more content more people working no it doesn't work all right you get my meaning um yeah. i'm i'm very hopeful for Destiny 2 because there's no reason that they would mess up what is already great about the Taken King. Um, and I love the Taken King. So I'm just making my peace with the idea that I'm not going to be playing it for a few months for until whatever ends up being Destiny 2 comes out. And that's okay. I have plenty of other games to play and look forward to until then. So... And I don't mind the fact that it won't be, you know, a Call of Duty, no matter what happens, one new game has to come out every year. Uh, if we're a few months uh, delayed, it, I don't mind. Nor do I. Definitely don't release subpar products. Go ahead and take the time, yeah. but talk to us. Let us know what's going on. I think you're right. There is definitely a, a problem of, of communication. That being said, uh, given how the company is holding together at this point apparently with the head of the company leaving um that's it's difficult to craft the right kind of messaging that would be less detrimental than uh the than not saying anything at all um because if they indeed have peeled the the live team banana this is going to be a permanent feature of this episode um what do you say to the player base you can't say, hey, guys, uh, we we are not going to be releasing a lot of content for the Taken King from now on. So, yeah, have fun with what's there and see you with Destiny 2. Bye. What can they say? Well, well, that's their problem for not making enough content, if that's all they can say. Yeah. Uh, well, then, then, then they have they have dropped the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why Harold Ryan is stepping down, I think. Well, all right. Time will tell. De- Destiny, yeah. here, here's here's my 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 period. I want to play your game. Please give me a reason to want to play your game. <laughs> yeah, it's but you know it's not a subscription game. They can sell you stupid little emotes with that in-game transaction thing. But that you, I mean, I got two months of constant use out of the game. I'm happy with that. So I am too. But there's a there's a. a 
very strong hardcore audience that plays yeah. it very similar to MMOs you and I have played in the past in terms of endgame and whatnot. Um, and I've been there. I've been in an MMO uh, that I loved and there was no content coming. Uh, and that's that that feels really bad. You feel you feel betrayed. Uh, I think. As, yeah. No, as, I agree. I just think that at some point the community has to wake up and, and smell the banana and um, just oh, out loud. realize <laughs> and just realize that it's not coming. So just stop it and maybe come back when you have something new. But don't keep banging your head against the wall and, you know, saying there's no maybe that's me having experience with that kind of thing. So I've already banged my head against the wall. And I know that if there's no content, if there's no reason to log in, then I should just not log in and just go play something else. But I understand it's frustrating when you really love the thing and you want to have something to do. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, all right, Nintendo. Um, they uh, had their annual uh, results last week, and I noticed a couple of things. Uh, first of all, the Nintendo Wii U is definitely... Uh, I mean, that's not something new, but it's doing super not well. It's definitely the worst selling console in the uh, company's history. Um, it's it's reached 12.6 million units sold, which isn't bad. But uh, the GameCube at the same point in its life um, it was at, uh, what, 16 million. So even the GameCube, which I'm fairly sure no one remembers as a, a raging success, was doing a lot better, um, including at, at this point. Uh, the 3DS is kind of on the way out as well. Um, and uh, we have a list of the best sellers for each console. Um, the, uh, the, the best sellers for both consoles, Mario Kart 8 is the bestseller for Wii U. That's pretty, uh, pretty unsurprising. Uh, the bestseller for the 3DS was uh, Pokemon X and Y. Again, pretty unsurprising. Uh, Mario Kart 7 uh, has sold 13 million copies and was even this year. Let me find the uh, chart here that my friend uh, Oscar Lemaire did, um, it was still six, six, in sixth place in the number of games sold this year. It's been, it's been released. It was released quite a long time ago, but this year it still sold over a million copies. And the best-selling game this year was Splatoon for Wii U. It sold four million units on an installed base of uh, a little over 12 million units, that's on the Wii U. And um, that's pretty surprising for a game that has no uh, existing well-known Nintendo characters. It's almost unheard of that they would sell a game these, these days um, with a completely new IP and that it would do so well. So yeah, well, there's two sides of that. One, one is, one is uh, pretty optimistic and one is pretty cynical. I, I think the cynical side is that there's just not a whole lot of games coming out for the Wii U. That is true. Um, but I think the, the optimistic side is it's a Nintendo game, and I think that comes with a, a certain amount of, of trust. Yeah. Have you played uh, Splatoon? I haven't personally. Um, okay. I don't have a Wii U. It is the first Nintendo console I have not owned. Yeah, you're not alone in that. But uh... um, And I, I don't foresee that changing ever. <laughs> I don't think, yeah, I think at this point it's abundantly clear that uh, that Nintendo is moving on. But um, it's, you know, it's not, 
hmm, it's not all bad for Nintendo. They have basically uh, managed to land quietly and without crashing on that uh, that current generation of consoles and they're ready to basically it's going to be next year is going to be the real um the real answer to where is nintendo going are they going to be managed to uh, uh start fresh or if they mess up the nx next year it's going to be very bad news for Nintendo, and I wouldn't be surprised if we end up seeing many more uh, smartphone games and games on other consoles uh, in 2018 or or, or 19. Um, at this point, they're still in a very good position to keep their advantage, their IPs, selling their own consoles, um, and... The, the, it wasn't the crash and burn that some people might have uh, thought it would become when the Wii U was not selling. And you're right, there have been no games on Wii U, uh, I, no game that weren't published by Nintendo. So it wasn't. I, it wasn't certain. I, I mean, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily a uh, like. It's a point to make saying that. Oh well, they didn't crash and burn because of the Wii U. I mean, they had they. they up until that point, they had been so successful and they'd been very smart with their money. They had a lot, uh, they basically what a lot of people were just calling a war chest. There's a ton of money just saved up from the success of the Wii and the and the DS and the 3DS and so on and so forth. So I, I don't really, I don't really look at, a, oh, well, they didn't go under. I don't look at that as a positive. Like, <laughs> well, so I think I think it's a little bit more than that. It's not like they, they were sitting on their piles of cash and, uh, you know, didn't uh, uh, go under because they had the money to pay for all of their losing uh, ventures, lo- money losing ventures. Um, they I, managed I, to, yeah. I, well, I was going to say, I mean, their handheld markets continued to flourish. I mean, e- even just looking at the numbers, you can see that uh, the top five bestsellers for 3DS over the top five for, for Wii U, it's more than doubled yeah. across the board in, in units sold. Uh, it's staggering the difference between the two. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the 3DS has been on the market for a little bit longer, and uh, it does have an installed base that is almost 16 million. So it's it's a, a much more successful console, although it was quite touch and go in the beginning. It had a rough first year, um, but now it's fine. It's just that it's not going to last for much longer. So we're all excited to see what's going to happen with the NX. And uh, we're hearing murmurs of uh, rumors and murmurs of um, it's a French expression. Don't don't pay attention to me um, of a Smash Bros. Smash Brothers being available at the launch of the NX. We don't know if it will if it's going to be uh, the Wii U version or a completely new version but um it seems very clear that they're working they're all in they're like you know uh, Bungie working on Destiny 2 they're all in on that and i think it's pre- it's kind of the same um the same scenario for the NX at this point with Nintendo so yeah i i i, I don't know i'm just ready to see what the next thing is cuz I, I i really do um i mean i love Nintendo <laughs> there's there's no sense of gaming nostalgia stronger in my my brain than uh than the experiences I have had with Nintendo consoles, but uh, uh, outside of, well, I don't know. I, I don't think it's that bad. I think it's, I, for me, it's not a huge deal that I'm not interested in buying the Wii U. I still love my 3DS, so I'm, I'm excited to see what they come out with next. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and this year is going to be the... I, I feel like I keep repeating the same thing, but it bears, uh, it bears repeating. Uh, every sign confirms a little bit more that this is the situation that Nintendo is in and uh, those uh, annual results weren't different. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm 
I'm just curious. I'm curious to see the future. I want to know what their plans are for the next console, how they think they're going to uh, make themselves uh, more desirable in, in the world that we're in where the, where the PS4 and the Xbox One are doing so well, uh, but offering very similar experiences. That's the big question, isn't it? How are, are they going to... Because they really need third-party developers uh, if they want the, the console to be... That was one of the... There were basically on the Wii U two big mistakes uh, that were linked. First, it wasn't powerful enough and it wasn't um, PC architecture friendly enough. So third-party developers couldn't really develop uh, easily on the console. And I think that lost them a bunch of support. Um, and then, yeah, the power was an issue as well, because even if they wanted to adapt the game, they they had to change so much. It was so far behind the other consoles of the generation that it was it was a difficult process. And they sold so few with the, partly because of the confusion between Wii and Wii U. Was it an add-on? Was it uh, no one knew? And they had the, 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 the tablet, controller which was clearly based on the idea that everyone was using a tablet uh and so you had a second screen experience and everyone was going for a second screen i don't know if you remember there were a couple of years where everyone was creating a companion app for their game like seriously everyone was doing that actually even the division which i don't think we've heard about that companion app anymore it's been quietly forgotten and sweeped under the rug uh, because that we, we no one knew at the time but it was kind of a not a fad but everyone tried it and we realized it doesn't really work so they went away but the nintendo wii u was entirely based on that concept so it sort of dragged them down for the life of that console it, it they couldn't bring the the cost of the console down enough that it would be interesting it was a, a bunch of factors that made it um uh, uh problematic so now with the nx which way are they going to go are they going to try and have a more pc-like architecture to make it attractive to everyone and to third-party developers or are they going to i guess they could do both but are they going to be very specific with different uh control schemes with a different idea entirely on the console and maybe make it so different that uh, they're still going to have difficulties getting third-party uh, support a, a lot of my friends are saying nintendo can't not be different. They have to be different because if they aren't, then they really have no advantage over the other systems and they're going to drown in that thing. Um, I would argue it's possible, but they also have their IPs, which is what is their, what makes them different. But that's, I think that's, that's a, uh, that's a discredit to, to Nintendo. The call to me, it's the quality of their games. The, the, I, I think the, your friends who are saying that are putting far too much weight on, on, on the, the gimmicks of, of their most recent console efforts. Um, I mean, up until the Wii, Nintendo was like, you, you still just had a controller. You just sat down with your controller and you had an amazing experience. Um, and I don't think there'd be anything wrong with the return to that. Bring out a more traditional controller and just keep making your awesome games, but make sure that your, your console is normal enough that that third parties <laughs> want to develop for it so you can i don't know uh, no i agree i agree i think i also rough. think that the there is a, a very large uh amount of uh rose colored glasses put on the entirety of nintendo's hardware innovations uh for me the only one that was actually significant was that uh, analog controller it was really significant and it brought a lot to gaming in the long run. It, it did 
evolve uh, the industry. The other one that people go to are the um, the Wii, obviously, and the motion gaming was huge, but it was huge in the sense that the Rubik's Cubes was was huge. It was a, a gimmicky toy, um, and it didn't turn into anything in in the gaming industry beyond its you know few years lifespan of uh, of the. The, the console when the consoles was incredibly successful um, the two screens I think I've mentioned this on the show before the two th- screens on the on the DS were gimmicky I don't think any game or very few games were actually made better because of those two screens there were lots of games that took advantage of the screens but they it's not like they couldn't have existed on a one screen device um and the 3DS, obviously, I don't even need to get into it. It's just ridiculous. No one uses the 3D version of it. So, And they even rolled out a non-3D version of it. Exactly. But yeah, the NX, you know, we'll see. And uh, now is the time to be excited. And uh, hopefully, we will be flabbergasted when they finally announce it. Bring it on, Nintendo. By the way, totally buying Pokemon again this month. Our, uh, we discussed this last time. I, guess. I know. I'm just reminding everyone. I'm buying Pokemon <laughs> again this month, and I'm excited about it. You know, that's actually beyond the Pokemon craze. I think the the numbers of the Mario titles and other titles uh, that keep being the best sellers, even now, four years after, I'm thinking about uh, Super Mario Kart 7 on 3DS being a bestseller this year as well. Uh, it speaks to the value of Nintendo titles in general. They never go down in price. Even if you want to buy them secondhand, they're going to be like in a store five bucks less than the, the full price thing. Because... That- that's that, that's another big compliment for them. I mean, how many Absolutely. times do you the well and make it relevant? And Nintendo has, for the most part. Yeah, there's a, yeah. you know every now and then there's like a not as great Mario game, uh, but I don't know. It, it, like, could you make twelve of the same movie set in the same world and and not bore the crap out of people? I don't think you can. But Nintendo can make twelve Mario's and make me still want to play it. You know, Super Mario 3D World, I've said this many times, uh, on the on the Wii U is one of the best Mario games ever made. Brilliant design, amazing game, you know, game mechanics, mind-blowing. Uh, it's one of their best games ever. Same with Mario Kart 8, by the way. Um, yes. And Splatoon is, is super fun as well, so... Anyway, all right, let's move on to another one of our gaming darlings, uh, Blizzard. Blizzard Entertainment has announced a bunch of stuff on their different games. And uh, as always, disclaimer, I think I still, I'm still going to give the disclaimer for another, until it's been two years since I've stopped working at the company. So disclaimer, I used to be a Blizzard uh, employee. and Wait, uh, so did... I didn't know this. I can't... <laughs> Thank God you disclaimed it. <laughs> I, you know, ethics. It's it's complicated. Um, Overwatch. Hey, do you know Overwatch is coming back? The beta is going to be returning very soon? I do, Patrick. We should probably do a podcast about it. I believe we should. How about Thursday? We should, we should name it Overwatchers. That is an excellent idea. Uh, we'll be recording it Thursday because on Thursday we will have had one full day of playing the beta because it is supposed to come back uh, at the time we're recording this, it will be tomorrow, February 9th on Tuesday. And I have, as I've said in a few, uh, at a few different occasions, I have completely cleared my schedule after tomorrow. I have nothing to do until, you know, the end of the week, because the only thing I'm going to be doing is play Overwatch. Nice. 
Um, so there's going to be a couple of new things. First of all, a bunch of uh, 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 balances, uh, uh, balance, uh, what, how do you call it? A bunch of balance uh, fixes to the different characters. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that already. But the big new features are going to be the um, progression system, which we have heard about and discussed at length in Overwatchers. So we knew that was going to be included when they came when the beta came back. Um, the one thing we didn't know about was the fact that there is going to be um, an additional mode with at least a couple of maps added to the game as well. And uh, that's a welcome surprise because I think the, the one thing that people were uh, saying probably uh, was lacking in the game modes was diversity. A few, maybe not so much more maps, but definitely one additional game mode or two uh, to make the game a little bit more uh, engaging and not in endlessly repeating the same thing. So uh, how do you feel about that? Is it good, bad, exciting? I always get angry at more content. How dare they? No, of course I'm excited. I, yes, uh, that was definitely something that was noticeable uh, in the beta previously was the these relatively small number of maps and modes. Yeah. So uh, two new maps, one new mode. Uh, we've already discussed what it could be. It could be a, a capture the mech kind of thing that someone mentioned on on Reddit uh, once, which would be an idea which, you ha- which is kind of capture the flag, but you have, instead of a flag, you have to get into a sort of robot me- mech thing and bring it somewhere, and it has a different set of abilities. That could be fun. And but, I hope uh, we... It, just so I can see what it's like on Diva's side to be in a mech already and then inside another mech so you can mech, <laughs> be mech yo dog, I heard you like mechs. <laughs> yeah, definitely, that would be fun. Um, she could transfer mechs. Uh, that would be possible as well uh, um pops out and she's not in her oh, that'd be interesting but uh yeah we never i mean we don't know that is going to be the case that was just one idea one random idea it could be something completely different um we'll have to see and you know what you can just listen to us on overwatchers on thursday and uh we will tell you all about it because unless the world explodes and uh, the blizzard servers don't hold up to the return of the beta which they should they should be okay because they were running last time, last uh, in December. So, um, yeah. But another piece of information, you will still be in the beta if you had been in the beta before. And they are going to be invited, inviting a bunch of other heroes. So, uh, a bunch of other heroes. A bunch of other players who are going to be heroes because the world will uh, be heroes. Unless you're not. Then, <laughs> well, I don't know. You'll be like the rest of us, normal players who get their butts handed to them. Uh, I don't get my butt handed to me. This might be the only game where I don't. Although when the beta returns, maybe I will. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> uh, Hearthstone. What? Heroes. I said, no, they nerfed all my favorite heroes. <laughs> don't nerf Genji. He's fine. Um, yeah, Hearthstone. There's a bunch of stuff happening on Hearthstone. Can you run us through all the changes? Oh, boy, can I, Patrick. Uh, so we're getting a new format, uh, which uh, the format that's just that word by itself is a big deal in uh, in card games. Uh, in Magic, there are many of them, and it's basically a way for for the the people who create the card game uh, to deal with the inevitable uh, overload of cards. Uh, any card game that has frequent content updates and adds more and more cards to the game, uh, it's going to get card bloat. And it's going to be harder and harder 
um, in the cases of Hearthstone, for the developers to create new cards because they have so many other cards that they have to keep in mind. So it's like, well, no, we can't do that because it mixes with Dr. Boom and all of a sudden you just break the game. It's just the best deck. It's objectively the best way to play the game. And that's an issue. So what you do is you 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 create multiple formats um, so that it kind of eases that load and it allows you to iterate and have a, 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 a metagame that isn't as stagnant. Uh, and it can and it can change. So what's happening with Hearthstone is um, they're taking how we currently play it and they're labeling that wild. And in the wild format, you'll be able to play with every single card ever released. Nothing's technically changing uh, if if you just want to keep playing Hearthstone the way it currently is, uh, and also enjoy the the new cards that come on down the road on top of everything that currently exists. Um, but the big change is we're getting a second format and a second ranked ladder. Uh, and that's being labeled as standard. And what's going to be happening with standard is it, it will the only cards that you will be able to play or will be considered quote unquote legal if this was a paper card game and we had to use terminology like that um, will be expansions and adventures from the last two years plus all of the basic cards and the classic cards. Um, so what is going to happen is the beginning of a new year. Once the first new expansion of a new year comes out, the whatever whatever is more than two years old just drops off. Um, so they so said, basically when the, the new expansion comes out at some point in spring, probably that means that the only uh, cards you're going to be able to use in standard mo- mode are going to be the cards from 2016 and 2015. And everything from before that is going to be unavailable in the standard mode, right? So for, for, what is happening this year when the next expansion comes out, which will be soon, uh, we will be losing access to Goblins versus Gnomes cards and Naxxramas cards in standard, but only in standard. Arena is unaffected, and now there's there will be Wild, where you can still go and rank up and hit Legend like usual, complete daily quest. Nothing's really changing for Wild. Wild will have everything, and things are going to get pretty crazy in Wild. So I guess I have a couple of questions. Um, the first one is, I'm sure this is helpful for balance for uh, the standard mode. It's going to be hopefully a little bit more balanced than it could have become if uh, the craziness continued. But it's also very helpful for new players because there are a lot of players who start and who are completely lost with a bunch of, you know, there are so many cards. You don't even know where to start, what to get, what to do. Um so, yeah, that's going to be helpful there. And then Wild, uh, they're still going to be balancing that as well, right? Absolutely. Uh, one of the biggest outcries and concerns with this news was that a lot of people felt that Wild was just going to be left to its own devices. And it's like, oh, well, if something's broken. Who cares? It's Wild. It's supposed to be crazy. But there have been multiple tweets, uh, specifically from from Ben Brode, saying that if Wild... Uh, gets out of hand, and it's he said, "quote Not as awesome as we think it will be." Uh, that they will do something about it. Okay, so it's not going to be, yeah, it's not going to be the excuse. Basically, yeah, whatever. This is wild. It's crazy because, as you were saying earlier, it, it could become that there is like one type of dominant uh, deck or one specific deck, and it's broken, and you have to play it or lose. And if you don't play it, you're gonna face it all the time anyway whatever happens and that's not fun so i'm sure they're gonna keep a a, 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 an eye on what happens there right and it is possible that that 
can still happen and but it's possible that it could happen now and it's possible that could happen in standard as as well um but they can always address it they can fix things uh, they also did announce that they will be rebalancing some of the classic and basic cards since the decision has been made that they will not be going away in standard um i'm actually really excited about that part of it me like, too. I, <laughs> uh, the arena player in me is really hoping some of those basic cards will get rarities assigned to them so they're not all just considered uh, common. Looking at you mages with 12 flame strikes. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But it's definitely a big change uh, for Hearthstone and uh, hopefully a way to keep the game both balanced and accessible. I think that accessibility thing is a big, uh, big part of it. Do we have any idea when they're going to uh, to be implementing those changes? No, like you said, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, well, it's going to be happening when the next expansion drops. Right. So, so and we don't know when that is. Right, exactly. They haven't, put a, they haven't put a date on it. I'm hoping it's sooner rather than later because the meta's uh, it's, it's pretty figured out at this point. It's not in a bad place. There's a lot. Um, as, as it currently sits, there's a lot of viable decks to play. Uh, you will be hitting a lot of Secret Pally. You will be hitting a lot of Druid. Uh, but there's, there's a lot of options. Um, so I don't think the meta's in a terrible place. But I, me personally, always ready for new cards. I'm also so excited about formats that I, I cannot wait for them to be added to the game. All right. Well, we'll see what happens then. Uh, last uh, little bit of info on our Blizzard corner. Um, I've, as you know, dear listener, I have uh, gotten enamored with uh, Heroes of the Storm recently. And this is probably not a, a bit of news that I would put in there if it wasn't the Blizzard corner. But you know what? It's, it's uh, exciting for me and I think for Garrett as well. So let's discuss it briefly. Um, there's a bunch of stuff happening in Heroes of the Storm. Um, the, the new characters on one hand and uh, the, the patch notes, it, it seems like they're taking a, a more um, deliberate uh, stance on on balance in the game and changing things very on a very regular basis. Yes, it, the game is no stranger to having massive balance updates like this. Um, what was more surprising before the main patch that brought in Li Ming and a, and a huge sweep of balance updates was that the two weeks leading up to it, we saw minor balance updates, and that is new. That is the big deal. That they're doing. That's what I meant. They've been doing one every week, right? Yes, exactly. Um, now, granted, they're significantly smaller than what we saw on uh, on the second, where we, we saw two heroes completely revamped, uh, Nova and Rhaegar, not to mention a ton of other balance updates, but um, the, the minor ones that are coming, it seems like every week, have been doing a lot to help the game and help the meta. So I think uh, the new character, Li Ming, is, is one I've seen a lot of enthusiasm for uh, more than in a long time in, in Heroes. And I want to ask you in general, the, the state of Heroes for people who might not have tried it, who, who might not even be interested, or maybe, you know, they're cautious about it. Um, do you think it's better, worse uh, to, to start playing now? Um, is it in a good place? What do you think about the game in general? Because we know, you know, it's probably, we don't know, but it's probably not the success that Blizzard was hoping for um, with their entry in the MOBA space. It's, it's not doing badly by, you know, any stretch of the imagination, but it's probably not doing as well as one might have hoped. So where do we stand on that game? Uh, I... I don't think there's ever really been a bad time to get into it. Mm. Uh, 
I mean, if you're if you're interested in MOBAs, but League of Legends and Dota seem daunting to you and you don't like all the weird rules that don't seem to make sense from a development side, but they're just there because it's the history of the game. Mm. They're just there because they've always been there, basically. Exactly. There's a lot of weird things that basically seem like bugs that have become part of the meta strategy on how to play the game. And that personally drives me nuts. Uh, I love Dota 2. I think it's one of the best esports out there. Um, but some of the things that have just never been addressed and been chalked up to the history of the game, uh, I just want to, I want to scream. <laughs> um, Heroes is a game that you can get into. You can have that mobile experience, uh, but you can do things that make sense, like just kill things because they're there. And why wouldn't you want to kill an enemy in a, in a, in a video game? Um, <laughs> uh, you're, you've leveled together as a team, which just, you could, could be seen as a positive or a negative, depending on who you are. Uh, I personally like it, um, but uh, it's 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 a fun game. Uh, I it's fine. Uh, all of my gripes with the game are on the more initiated side. People that have been playing the game for a long time. Um, I think if you're a new player, you won't notice any of of my the things I would consider nitpicks and issues with it. So I just dive in. It's a great time. It's very fun. Uh, there's a lot of heroes um, that are in a very good place. So. I don't know. Water's fine. Everyone get in here. All right. Cool. Uh, and as I was saying, Leeming is uh, the, the darling of uh, the podcasts I listen to. Actually, the two uh, Heroes of the Storms pod- podcasts I listen to are, are in love with Leeming. So. She has had six days to accrue statistics on hotslogs.com, which is an unofficial statistics page, but it's the best tool we have since we do not work at Blizzard and Blizzard does not give us public statistics. She has debuted to a 55.8% win rate uh, based on the statistics over the last uh, seven days, which is six days for Lee Ming because she came out on Tuesday uh, in Hero League. That's just ridiculous, especially considering the, the last, I think, five heroes all had very low uh, win rate debuts. So she's going to get nerfed is what you're saying. Uh, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't go that far. It is looking like one talent right now is going to get reined in a bit just because the pick rate is ridiculous. Um, S of Johan at a uh, level four, if anyone's wondering, gives her arcane orb ability, the, the pull in effect, uh, and, and Dustin Browder has, uh, has been quoted saying that it is being looked at and will probably be tweaked very soon. All right. We're getting maybe a little bit too into the arcane elements of the game um uh, so puns uh, what i didn't hear puns uh i said it was much better than your banana puns oh thank you thank you um and if you want to hear more about this amazing game uh go listen to core with scott johnson or uh into the nexus with this one here garrett Wonsrill. both yeah are but maybe in the maybe in the other direction because i'm here and i can pimp it more Absolutely. Into the Nexus. You know, I'll, I'll say this to you, Garrett. Uh, between those two shows, I think I, I really like yours best. But don't say Scott. Don't, don't tell Scott Johnson. Ah, oh, nice. Well, unfortunately, this is recorded permanently. So um, I'm just going <laughs> to. Scott doesn't I, listen to this, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, all right. 
Let's talk about The Division, The Witness, XCOM, and a bunch of other things. Uh, the Division had its beta weekend uh, last week, I believe. I was uh, moving to another country, so I didn't get a chance to play it. But it was pretty well received, I think. Uh, the impressions in general are as follow. Basically, you have to remember that it is... If Destiny is an RPG FPS that is really more of an FPS, then uh, The Division is an RPG, well, TP. Yes, but it's really more of an RPG. It's less about the twitchy gameplay and the uh, lining up your your um, uh, target, your crosshair on the enemy's face, and more about accruing. Uh, 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 items that are better that have rarity and all of this which there is in both games but definitely more rpg centric for the division uh pve seems to be good the pvp uh, however the part where you have to fight uh pve enemies and potentially um live enemy actual player enemies uh, at the same time uh, seems be, like if it wasn't player enemies what do you mean <laughs> you just said and and actually players i'm like well, weren't we talking about PvP? Isn't that required for it to be PvP? Well, that's the thing. In the in the division, you have a mode where that, that that's called the dark zone, where you actually go in and do PvE, and you you get items from the enemies you you kill, um, but those items aren't usable until you go to a specific zone and have them extracted. And when you have them extracted, it takes about what sixty seconds to a minute and a half. Uh, during which the entire map with other players is alerted to your presence and the fact that you're extracting loot. And if they want, they can come to where you are and shoot you in the face and take your loot. So that's where the PvE slash PvP element comes comes ah. in. Um, so it's not... 100% PvE, but it, it supposedly creates a fun dynamic where you can choose to interact uh, with the other players or not and be safe. And um, if you choose to do that, obviously there are going to be consequences. They're going to try to balance it with uh, bounties that get on you if you do that and if you attack uh, other players, uh, stuff like that. So it's it's a different there it's been done before but it's a, a somewhat different approach to pvp which tries to create that tension and apparently it it kind of works so we'll see how well it does once the game actually comes out um and so the overall impressions about the game with the beta with that was limited to level 8 at this point, which might be reminiscent of the Destiny beta for those who remember that. It was also capped at level 8, and people were hoping there would be a huge amount of content behind it, which it ended up not having, but the similarities might end there. Um, might end at the level cap, I mean, for the beta. But um, yeah, the, the, the impressions are, it's certainly a fun game. People are having fun with it. The one caveat is that concern about uh, longevity of the game. How are you going to be able to play that game for more than a couple of months? Or is it going to be a couple of months worth of fun, which is already great. Um, but then that's it. And you, you just move on to something else. So I'm curious about the game for sure, but uh, I, I'll wait until I, I read the reviews before actually committing money to it, I think. Um, I pick yeah. it up. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it, to be honest. And quite a few of my friends have already said that they're going to be picking it up. So um, it seems like the kind of game that is better with friends. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. That is also coming out of the reviews of the the first uh, the people who were in the beta, and uh, that's always the case, though. So I always know that you know there are some games, Destiny included. I keep bringing it up because it it has many similar elements to to the division um, by everything that we've seen, and I've enjoyed Destiny alone uh, for a lot of the time I've played. So. It's always better with friends, but it might be really fun already uh, playing alone. Hopefully, it will be the case. Uh, The Witness is out, the game by Jonathan Blow, the indie game legend behind Braid. Uh, That game was... uh, seven years in the making he invested all of his earnings from braid and then some and uh, apparently it's selling well Uh, it made as much money in the first week as braid did in the first year obviously it's a completely different situation the game is more expensive all of this but um yeah it's it's going well it's reviewing well um i'm it's it's kind of a modern take on mist almost it's basically an island with lots of puzzles and you have to go and figure out the puzzles and it's a real brain twister um i'm i'm not sure i might wait for a steam sale to get it but i'm curious it's just the way jonathan blow's mind works is is interesting to me so we'll see are you into those kinds of games garrett typically no uh however the witness is just so unique looking uh um again not i'm kind of in the same boat as you i'm not so excited that i'm gonna run out and buy it immediately but I'll probably pick it up at some point, knowing me, probably next Christmas during the Christmas sale when I have a lot of like random time to just spend on on things I missed. Uh, summer sale can do that. Why do you want to wait until Christmas? Because I work during the summer and Christmas, I usually have like a long week off and I can just kind of sit around and play games that I don't do shows about. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what about XCOM 2? It's coming out soon. Um, it's uh, it- getting pretty good reviews. Is it not out over there? Oh, yeah. It's, no, no, you're right. You're right. It came out yesterday. Sorry. Oh, gotcha. I didn't know if there was a, a delayed release for some reason. Um, XCOM 2, incredibly excited for. Uh, flip side, haven't bought it yet because I know how much time I sunk into the first one, and I don't have that time at the moment. Yeah. it. Uh, sorry. came out last week, actually. Uh, it's been a complicated week for me, as I've, as I've said. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's you know, it's a difficult thing because it's a it's a sequel that is apparently an excellent sequel that manages to do everything it needs to do to be a successful one, but it's also quote unquote still a sequel. So if you didn't like the first one, if you're not into those kinds of games, then you're probably no ma- not going to be interested no matter how good the sequel is. I it, that's the way it feels anyway and and no one has said anything that would lead me to think that someone who wasn't interested in the first one would be interested in this one. So um it's it's a, an excellent game that is easy to to discard if you're not into those kinds of games and i think that's my case so okay well i was about about to say i'm like has that ever really been the case though is anyone surprised that the sequel to something uh isn't different enough that if you didn't like the first one you won't like the second one i mean i don't know i think there are some games that that where the sequel transcends the initial the initial one um Maybe it's the case for games that weren't absolutely brilliant from the beginning. I think XCOM 1 had a, a pretty... Uh, it, it was reviewing incredibly well, and people loved it already, so don't break something that's not 
broken. Um, <laughs> don't fix something that's not broken. But there are a few games that come to mind. Um, maybe Uncharted. Uncharted 1 was very, you know, average. Uh, the second one was brilliant. Uh, I that That's going to make some people scream, but I didn't get into Diablo until Diablo 3. Um, I don't know. I think there are some games where it might be the case. But uh, so, for, for me, the, the most glaring examples of that are are games that have just been around for a while and made the jump from 2D to 3D. And it was more because of the capability of the hardware versus the games actually being different. Like, like, yeah. you know, Zelda to Ocarina, like the original Zelda's to Ocarina of Time. That's a huge, like just mind blow. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, the formula of the games are pretty similar. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... <laughs> There are it. It feels maybe it's because I don't know it well enough. But XCOM Two does feel a little bit like it almost could have been an expansion to XCOM One, and I think people are going to come and scream at me. And I understand that I might <laughs> not be. It might not be the case. It might not be accurate. It's just the way it feels to me from the outside. And um, uh, it 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 again. I don't know if it's accurate. Uh, but I under you know there was enemy within after uh, XCOM to XCOM one um, enemy unknown right. Um, so I don't know. It's it's if it's the case that I should get into XCOM two if I didn't like XCOM one, then please come let me know. Um, it just feels more similar than some other sequels might might have been, which is unfair of me to say, I guess. Uh, Batman Arkham Knight is not going to be coming out on Mac or Linux. So if you were one of the two people still waiting for that to happen, then, um, yeah, I'm sorry for you. I, I was going to say, poor Mac users. First, the first, it's the, the first Blizzard game ever not coming to Mac Overwatch. And now Batman. God. I think, you know, I think the two might be linked. Uh, as I mentioned uh, before, my analysis of why Overwatch is not coming out on the Mac is the issue with the um, graphic uh, graphics GPUs that the Macs are currently equipped with, which are a huge majority of integrated Intel GPUs, which are a lot less powerful than the discrete mobile GPUs that uh, uh, NVIDIA and... Uh, um, Radeon uh, AMD uh, make and oh, yeah. that alone makes it difficult to port a game you know you can't really port a game to a platform when you know 70% of your platform's computers are only going to be able to run the game at the lowest of low settings um, and especially if it's a demanding game like uh, like an FPS but in that case, if that's the case, Arkham Knight is a game that is kind of demanding graphics-wise. And that's if you can't port it on the Mac because of the poor graphical capabilities, then um, it's ki it kind of the Mac and the Linux port go together. If you can't port it on the Mac, uh, it's basically a Linux port to, to very small degrees of variations on, on the porting side of things but so if you can't have a mac version it doesn't make sense to make only a linux version i think right there with you uh fire emblem fates is not going to have the japanese voiceovers in uh, the western release that's a travesty what does I, that mean i i i am one of the few people uh who is, i'm loud and proud of the fact that i watch all my animes dubbed and you can all deal with it so i don't care are you kidding me? Um, yeah, man, because animes are really pretty. I don't want to freaking read while watching them. 
You know, that is something that I will never understand. Well, I understand it happens, but... I, I will never understand uh, all of the people who ruined anime for me in college uh, to the point where I didn't start watching it again until recently that are, are, are so uh, zealot-like in their, in their pursuit of jumping on anyone who doesn't watch uh, subtitled uh, anime. I don't well, think it's big of a deal. If you can't understand the language, why is it that important? Because a lot of the cultural uh, flavor and significance of that that uh, piece of art comes through the language, and I think you're really losing part of that that whole if you break off a piece, which is the uh, the voice and the 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 idiosyncrasies of the intonations and the you know. All of that is part of it. If you break off a piece, then you're losing a, a lot of what, what makes that uh, creation what it is. And I always try to view things or, or when I can, you know, see things or read things in their original version because I think it's a big part of uh, the, the creation, the piece of art. Um, it, it's the same for English or American creations. If I watch a TV show or a movie, I really don't want to have it dubbed because, first of all, it's not the same. Second of all, you're subject to the quality of the dubbing, which is often, I've seen animes in English, they're really often not as good. And this applies to um, to video games as well. It's often dubbed by uh, people who are actors for children's shows which have a very specific kind of intonation and pattern of speech, which makes it, I think, a lot less enjoyable. Um, I anyway really disagree with that. <laughs> okay. But um, yeah, a lot of the voice actors uh, for American dubs are, at this point, pretty well-seasoned in anime and are known very much, very well for anime. Um, I, I would be, I would be hard pressed. Uh, I don't know. I would definitely go to bat and hold up something like the dub of death note as an example of an incredibly well done, uh, dubbing effort. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'm not, I don't have enough, uh, experience in that, uh, in that field to judge all of it. Maybe I'm just aware of some of the things I've seen. I've seen, I think, um, I don't know, things like Naruto and these kinds of, uh, dubbed animes that are, you always have that specific type of, you know, way of speaking that is unnatural and that feels like it's being dubbed for a Saturday cartoon show. Um, things like the way they speak in Avatar, which is an excellent show, even with the, the, the dubbing. Oh. It's just part of it. Not the dubbing, but the voice acting. But it is... Do you know what I mean? It doesn't feel like uh, someone would speak like that in real life, right? I, if you're about to say anything uh, other uh, other than uh, than Avatar is the the single greatest piece of animation uh, in the history of the medium, then, then we're gonna we're gonna come to blows, sir. We're gonna come to blows. Um, I think Avatar is the single greatest piece of animation in the history of the medium, in spite of that slightly annoying fact that the the voicing the voice acting is as it always is in animation somewhat not it doesn't feel natural i i i love the show i love the initial series i love legend of Korra. i think what they what they've done with the world and the characters is beyond brilliant um i still think the dubbing is not as 
but you know, I, basically, let's close. Let's conclude this discussion. <laughs> but you, you know what I mean when I'm saying that it doesn't feel like they're. It feels like they're acting specifically for that kind of medium, and not that they're acting naturally as their their character would in what they do you know like what they do in a movie or a tv show right does that make sense or is it just me that feels that way i i, I get your point but I, I i guess for me again it just, it just comes down to it's for me it's more of a visual experience and if i'm wasting my time reading it really ruins the experience for me right yeah i guess i i can i can understand I, that I, at well, that yeah. point i'd rather just go and read the manga uh if i'm concerned about the this <laughs> preserving the sanctity of the original uh product Hmm. well i guess i it's easy for me to say this as well because i do speak english and i do understand a little bit of japanese so i i managed to get to get enough of it even without the subtitles that uh it works for me but i would really encourage i wouldn't be as you know as much of an a-hole uh, as apparently some people are with you when you say you want you don't want to uh, have to read the subtitles, but I would really encourage everyone to try and experience it the way it was conceived. Rather, it's kind of like okay, last last bit of it, and then I'll drop it. <laughs> it's kind of like if someone took a piece of art that you did, Garrett, and sort of mm-hmm. changed one of the colors into something else. It might still be good, but it's not going to be. At least it's not going to be the thing yet that you envisioned and that you put down as an artist, right? So that's... I, I, I don't think that's... I don't think you can compare it. I don't think there is a comparison uh, because we're dealing with language, which is a thing that you either understand or you do not. Uh, art is very subjective. Language is not. Uh, if you're just... Like, I, I don't speak Japanese, so I am taking in nothing when I'm listening to someone speak Japanese. Aha. Well, there I would disagree. I think you take in a lot, and I I think a lot of people take in a lot just by the different sounds and, you know, the mood that it creates. But all right, we could fight about this all day, but uh, <laughs> let's leave that uh, for another, another episode at some point. Um, Doom hits May 13th, and obviously, Garrett, you're going to get the collector's edition that includes a giant uh, demon statue, right? Well, if I didn't already anger all of the anime fans out there, let me anger all of the Doom fans by saying I have never given a crap about Doom. Holy poop. Really? You were yeah. too young, I guess. No, I, was, I wasn't. Um, but I, I was too young to be, A, allowed to play it. Right. Uh, so you were too young. Instead, I, uh, instead I played uh, Dark Forces. That was my, that was my sprite-based first-person shooter. <laughs> I don't even know what Dark Forces is. It's a Star Wars shooter, sir, that uh, eventually led to the Jedi Academy series. Ah, okay. Well, Doom is my jam, so there you go. Uh, I don't know about this this version of the game. Um, I'm not going to get the collector's edition for sure. But, um, <laughs> you know, a new Doom is always something exciting. And I think Doom 3 that came out a while ago uh, was okay. I expect this one to be fun-ish, um, but... I'm not sure it's going to be... Uh, I'm not going to buy it blind, basically. Uh, Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Have you gotten into Mirror's Edge? Are you excited about Mirror's Edge Catalyst? Never played it personally. Watched my roommate in college beat it. I thought it was gorgeous. I thought it was an incredibly fresh game. Um, but I also felt that I didn't really need to go play because I'd already seen everything it kind of had to show me. Um, but yes, totally excited for Catalyst. I will probably be picking it up because I no longer have roommates, thank God. 
So if I want to see a game, I need to play it myself or watch it on Twitch, but I'd rather play it myself. There's a story trailer uh, that came out a few days ago that sort of got me excited about it a little bit more than I already was because uh, the story trailer shows pretty good uh, acting and motion capture and it seems like they've really put a lot of effort into making um, the, the, the experience, um, the story, I mean the story is always going to be a little bit hammy i think um but it's still it feels like they've gotten modern actors m- modern video game acting by which i mean uh act having actual actors play out the thing or at least uh sync everything around their voices it feels believable in a way that other games that have great storytelling elements do um and that encourages me in the idea that it is going to be a uh, very polished experience. So I'm I'm very curious about the game, and even more now that I've seen that uh, that story uh, trailer, which I encourage you to go check out if you're interested in the game. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Titanfall 2 news, um, the writer for the single-player uh, campaign has said that, um, well, there might be a TV series uh, involved. And, of course, he's, well, confirmed that there's a single-player campaign, which wasn't the case in the first Titanfall. Um, but so he is basically he worked on a bunch of TV shows and um, he is now working potentially it's not picked up yet but there might be a TV show around in the world of Titanfall um, when the game launches or after or around the game um, I'm not sure not sure what to think I'm just excited that we basically have another piece of uh, confirmation that we're going to have a single player campaign uh, in the game that yeah, is much more exciting to me than the TV show potential. Right there with you. Um, I actually really enjoyed the first Titanfall. Um, I'm just excited to see it iterated upon. But the, I liked all of the inference to the world. It seemed to have a very cool world, but there was just there was no <laughs> there's really no story mode. I, I realized that they were like these light kind of story vignettes in in the in the levels themselves. If you played the, the uh, specific mode, um, but I'd like to see I'd like to see a story play out in that universe. Yeah, it's um, it might be a difficult thing to do uh, to create a compelling story mode that makes sense with the mix between uh, you know the the when you're driving the mech and when you're on foot, and how you combine those experiences and make them make sense in that world. But um, but definitely, I think. Even for Overwatch, I would have thought that the game, I wouldn't like it as much because there wasn't a single-player campaign. Turns out I couldn't have been more wrong. But I don't think that many games can do that. I think mostly for the for the FPS games, for me to enjoy them, I probably need a single-player experience. And um, I loved Titanfall 1 when it first came out for the you know two or three weeks that I played it like everyone else but um, but if that can be crafted into a compelling single player experience then I think I will also play more of the of the PvP uh, side of it ironically I need a single player thing to get me into the mood and then I can play some more PvP so I'm right there with you. Not to mention, these are the you know a lot of the guys that are behind the first two modern warfare's, yeah. which had very strong stories. Um, on top of 
having fantastic multiplayer modes and kind of setting up Call of Duty to to be what it is. Yeah. Uh, so I, I remember I got into Titanfall. And I just I was like, oh, but but where's the story? What a travesty! These guys had some really great narratives in the past. You're right. I mean, Infinity Ward developed the Call of Duty franchise uh, for Activision at the time, and um, and it was very, maybe that's why it was even more disappointing that there wasn't a single player uh, campaign in Titanfall. But uh, you know, they have a lot of the uh, mechanics figured out with the first one, so maybe they can uh, spend the time and resources on polishing on building on that uh, that initial game and making it everything it should have been in the first place um, yeah. and it's also very likely going to be coming out on multiple platforms unlike titanfall one which was pc and the xbox one only and finally um, a, a new game that was announced which i think could be interesting called uh, dead by daylight it's a game that on <laughs> It's kind of a, you might think it's going to be Evolve with serial killers. Uh, Evolve, if you don't remember, was a game um, by the team behind the initial Dead for, Left for Dead. Um, but they created th that uh, gameplay gimmick where you would be four uh, players fighting one player so 4v1 instead of it's asymmetrical pvp and uh, there was the monster and you had the hunters and the game flopped because of a bunch of reasons it wasn't fun enough and it was basically milked by it seemed uh, like they held up a lot of the elements of the game to sell them back as dlc and that's one of the instances where apparently they went too far in that direction and it and the game suffered for that reason uh, dead by daylight the the comparison that we can have is the asymmetrical aspect of it it's basically a survival asymmetrical pvp game where there are four survivors and um one serial killer in the apparently it seems to be in the um same kind of spirit as uh horror movies like friday the 13th or uh you know the slasher movies basically right and there's a, a friday the 13th game being developed right now which is exactly where my brain went to when i heard about this is it going to be pvp with asymmetrical gameplay yes, though exactly oh what it's going to be interesting i didn't realize that um okay yeah, and plays Jason, and then the rest are camp counselors trying to escape from him. Uh, the big thing to note with Dead by Daylight, though, is that its game worlds are generated procedurally, so it will be random. You're not going to know what's happening. Uh, it's going to be. I, I think it's going to be terrifying because uh, the Friday the Thirteenth game uh, is just going to have, I think, just maps. Um, but but Dead by Daylight will have just random worlds that you just have to figure out every time you spawn into a game how to escape. Yeah, and there are tons of uh, uh, interesting kinds of uh, mechanics. I mean, if you go look out the development video, it's it's it doesn't show a lot. It it shows concepts. It talks about what they want and hope to achieve. So it might very well end up that the game is just as disappointing as Evolve has been. Um, but it does look like it has. Uh, they talk about the interesting dynamics that 
come into play when you have the four survivors one of them falls into a trap and the other ones have to decide if they help him because they want to be stronger together or if they just abandon that person and and leave them to the serial killer that has a different kind of you know they're going to have different attributes it's basically a monster just like an evolved but maybe reined in a little bit um so anyway i thought the idea could be really fun um go check out the video as well and i i I'm hoping that it's going to be basically a, a successful version of that uh, asymmetrical PvP gameplay that uh, Evolve tried to uh, implement but didn't manage to make stick. So we'll see what happens. I'm a huge fan of, of horror films, specifically 80s slasher films, and I'm so excited that we have two of these games being made. <laughs> Excellent. Um, all right. Well, I think that is going to be it for this show. Uh, before we uh, we disappear, Garrett, can you please tell us where people can find more of you on the internet? Ah, well, you can find all of the podcasts that I do at amove.tv. That's A-M-O-V-E dot TV. Check it out, including Overwatches with me and you, Patrick. Absolutely. New episode in just a couple of days with the return of the beta. So excited. Uh, we'll have everything, everything that you need to know uh, available there. I'll be, streaming, uh, I'll be streaming the game with Kyle on Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash amovetv. I'm really looking forward to it. I might be streaming a little bit as well. We'll see. If you're but, awake uh, at whatever ungodly hour that is for you, feel free to join us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 3 p.m. your time uh, might be a little bit too late for me, but... Wait, wait, Wednesday, 3 p.m. What time is it for me? What time is it for you now? It is 10.15. Hmm, so five hours later, it might work. Maybe. That's not that bad. bad. Where do you you move to again? Finland, Helsinki. Ah, okay, nice. I'm going to update my world clock right now. Include (laughs) Finland. Thank you very much, sir. All right. For me, it's not Patrick on Twitter and on Facebook. And you can find this show and another one uh, called The Phineas Club at Frenchspin.com. You can find my French language shows if, unlike Garrett, you enjoy other uh, cultural uh, elements of things <laughs> on Frenchspin.fr. What, Garrett? I said, oh, man. <laughs> oh, there. Uh, you can find that at frenchspin.fr I thank you very much dear listener for listening and we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks bye
This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.